You're listening to the Empty Nest Empires podcast, episode number 16. Hang on today, I've got a great guest for you, indie author Mel Greenberg. Mel is the author of the book, Running With Our Eyes Closed. She's a mom, a wife, a writer, and a survivor, and you are going to hear her story today. I think it will bring you some clarity and some hope about your own future. I'll be right back with Mel. Okay, your nest is empty, or it will be within a few years. So now what? Whether you know it or not, we are building empires. Empires of faith, family, fun, fitness, and of course, finance. And those empires are the legacy we leave for our loved ones. I'm Tammy Romani, an empty nester mom, grandma, and entrepreneur with a vision for ever greater things in the years ahead. It's never too late, and there is no limit to what we can do. I'm so happy you're here. Now let's get to building. My guest is Mel Greenberg, and Mel and I met, of all things, on the internet. We're, in, we're <laughs> internet friends. We're not in real life friends yet, but we have planned that when she's in LA next time, we will meet up for coffee or lunch or something because... Um, she reached out to me on Instagram, and I was just so happy to be able to chat with her, to see our connection, and to be able to read some of her story. I knew it was something I needed to share with you. So thank you, Mel, for being here today. Hi, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we are Insta friends. I love it. <laughs> we are Insta friends. And how many, you know, I, I just want to say that over the last four or five years, I have met some really incredible people through the oh, internet. Me too. It's in, it Facebook groups. Awesome. It's really incredible. I hear your pup in the background playing with her I know, the toys. I, I thought I put all the squeaky toys away, but she got the one. But I'll, you I'll know what's funny? I had a golden retriever that we could not buy squeaky toys for. He would, the second he got it, he would bring it home and he would pick away with his mouth at the, the seam, <laughs> pull out the squeaker, and then he could have that toy. Like he, Estella, he my whole dog does that. She chews yeah. them to shred, but she likes yeah. She She likes the squeak. But then he didn't shred the rest of the toy. It was usually a little stuffed animal and it, he would cuddle with it and sleep with it. It was his baby. It was That's the funniest. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I started just finally buying him, you know, uh, children's stuffed animals because yeah. he just, all the dog toys have squeakies and he couldn't tolerate it. I may I be his it. hearing, but I love hearing the sounds of your dogs in the background because I'm a dog person mm -hmm. as you Good. are. Ah, see, and I love that. Connected. That's a must. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But I want to talk to you today about a couple of things because you are... Um, not a victim. You are a survivor of several things. And I, and I love the way you present your story to the world. You're a beautiful writer. So Mel has a couple of books in her repertoire. She has uh, contributed to a book, uh, a, a global collective book called Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformation and Change. Oh, good. You've got them there. There's that one. You can find it on Amazon. I will put a link in the show notes. And um, also, she has a book 
that I just downloaded and started reading called Running With Your Eyes Closed. So we're going to talk about all these things. But first, let's just get to know you better, Mel. You are saying that you survived more than some and less than many. Um, What do you mean by that? You know, I, I actually have thought about that more since we first spoke and, and I turned 60 a couple of weeks ago and I just, you don't get to this age and this stage in life without, you know, surviving and, and moving beyond a number of challenges and, and difficulties, whether they be economic, social health, you know, so it's just, you know, it's life and you, you, it's how you deal with what you're you know, what you're confronted with. And I choose to look at it from the standpoint of surviving because I don't think of there being another choice. And I like that. I like to frame my life that way. And it keeps me a little more grounded and positive. And I mean, I've always been somebody who looks for a silver lining and, and that just is a, is a further furtherment of that. You know, just kind of always. Now, can you tell me how that has changed, though, from the past? Because, you know, there is a saying out there, that which I most feared has come upon me. And you actually had that happen. (laughs) So you spent a lot of time fearing your future. And can you tell us what that means, what that word and phrase would mean to you? It does. I, I, I lost my mother to breast cancer a week before her 50th birthday. And I was 17. So I spent a good portion of my adult life fearing that her fate was in fact mine. And a lot of anxiety developed from that time. And, you know, in dealing with anxiety, you live on the outside, but you, you keep so much inside. And, um, and then I got it, literally, right the same year, same year, I was 49. And it, it was it was liberating really because I number one realized that all that worry was completely pointless you know you have to think about things and, and act and be proactive but to just worry endlessly which I did um, and obsessively was completely a waste of energy and and so much time and space was dedicated to that that that's probably what I came away with that's what changed me the most and I don't tend to do that so much anymore. I mean, there are still things that I think about more, you know, that's life, but um, my life, I should say, I don't speak for everybody, but you know, for the most part, I don't, I think that it's how we are all given things um, to deal with in our lives. And it's our choice of how we deal with them. And so I try and really focus on what it is I can do with what's in front of me, whether it's good, bad, or, or otherwise, how I can deal with that. You know, I wish I had had tools like that when I was younger. I Now I'm aware of this, but I think when I was a young mom, I just kind of was, things just come to you, things just happen, you deal with them as they happen. And I'll never forget when I had uh, a cyst and my doctor said, it's probably nothing. It's probably just, you know, a water-filled cyst. It's with your cycle. It'll be gone next month. Mm-hmm. And then he said this sentence. But why don't you just go across the hall and have a blood test so we can rule out cancer? That's all he had to say for me to within the next week while I was waiting for those results. You know, I was planning my funeral and who was going to watch my kids. And I, my mind just went, I did not choose like you did to, to, I, I had, I had no diagnosis. 
I had a notion and I had a, an offhand comment and it was what he suspected. It was gone the next month. It was something that just sometimes happens. That little seed planted. Oh my gosh, that seed of fear and yeah. how I let it grow. And I oh, and it takes on a life of its own. Oh, it absolutely no, did. I'm and afraid. I, yeah, I don't think I talked about it to anybody. I don't even think I mentioned it to my husband. You know, I was busy, had two little kids at home. I just. I am so aware now of just from experiencing that mm-hmm. of how we can latch on to things, either good or bad, mm-hmm. right? They take on and you have to teach yourself to latch on to the good. Yeah. Well, I remember the worst thing before my diagnosis, you know, yearly since I was in my late twenties going for mammograms and the worst week or to 10 days of of life was waiting for that envelope to come or a call. What would it be? And and I kind of laugh and I I would joke with the radiologist when I would now, when I go in, I still do when I go in for my mammograms, it's like the upside of having cancer is that I get to get the results right away. They don't make you wait. So, and it's huge. I mean, it's an emotional drain and even, even under the best circumstances and no matter how hard you try, it's that just that moment of uncertainty and not knowing what your future might be it is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's daunting. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I want to direct people to your blog. I love your blog, by the way. Um, and it's, it's different. It's different. It's not you writing all the time, but you are such a champion of others. And you want other people to tell their stories that your blog actually is a compilation of various essays from other people. But you do ha- have one on there called Two Words. And I'm going to put the link to that uh, under this video. If, if you're watching this on Facebook or in the show notes, if you're listening to the podcast, because like I let those two words, the, the words that that doctor say to me, yeah. you know, kind of yeah. destroy my mind for a week, you had two words come to you and you were able to flip those words. And I, I just want to read this, um, this one, just a couple of sentences. What I feared might happen to me did, and I was okay. I would be okay. I now considered my life in terms of before and after the diagnosis and my choices in how to process and proceed with it all were a blessing. I gained perspective. I don't believe that I could have had otherwise. I was truly blessed. I began to look at the life I've been given, the family I'd created, the accomplishments I'd achieved in a new light. Before I got my cancer, I spent my days fretting the what ifs. After I got my cancer, my thoughts shifted to the what nows. Oh man, that just, that really, that actually brought a couple of tears when I read that because what a message of hope you bring. If we could just flip those what ifs to what nows, because really all we have is the present, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And, 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 you know, I think we're all, we, it's, I liked what you said about, you know, when you're raising children, you're just so caught up in the moment. And, and, and the funny contradiction there is that we're so caught up in the moment, but we're really not present in it. Mm. And you're just, you know, doing what you have to do to get through and, and, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever your picture looks like. And I think when you're forced to step back and, and kind of visit number one, 
the plan isn't quite what you anticipated. And then beyond that, your mortality, um, it, it shifts your, at least it did for me, it shifted my inner dialogue, which is rampant. And it's a good thing I'm a writer because the voice never stops. So at least it has somewhere to go. And it, it shifts that conversation though. And it's like, okay, well, so this happened and, you know, and something else might happen and it might be, you know, different. So you just appreciate the hours that you're in a, a bit differently. Yeah. That, that's such a good word. And for any women or men who are listening that are going through a difficult time, uh, what's, what's your best advice for them? Um, well, hopefully, I, I hope for anyone out there that, that they have a good support network and, and what that looks like if it's family, if it's close friends, if it's professionals, that, that um, you know, tap into that and, and don't be afraid to, you know, I think we're all really hard on ourselves and we think we have to get through things and be strong and tough and do it on our own. And, and there are people around and if you're lucky enough to have a great family, I certainly was. Um, who was there every step of the way, it makes all the difference. And it, it, it gives you added strength and a time when you're feeling alone and vulnerable and you don't have to do it alone. So whether, and if yeah. you're not, you know, there are other resources, there are opportunities out there. Don't be alone. Don't go through it alone. Yeah. That's and such a good word. Reach out to me on my website. I'll, I'll talk yeah, reach, yeah. And I would even say that, honestly, I've actually discovered some extremely supportive Facebook groups. You know, Facebook gets a bad rap yes. that it's, well, it's for a cesspool yeah. of people's yeah. nasty opinions. But when yeah. you go into the groups and you really find right. a tribe there, right. oh yeah. my. It's like this whole thing is the silver lining. You can, you can, yeah. you know, you can blanket statement this, but then within that are some incredible people and group like you say great support groups and private groups that you that, that are beneficial and that will help you so so do reach yeah. don't do it alone don't yeah. go through it alone you don't have to yeah that's a great word well let's turn the corner for a minute and talk about how you came to write a novel <laughs> your your piece that's in the um chaos to clarity book is actually your story so you're very good at, at sharing your story, but then you, you created these characters and you wrote a fiction book. And I just want to know the, as a writer myself, and I can so relate to that inner dialogue thing that you said, <laughs> I thought everyone was like that. And then I learned <laughs> that's not true. I know. It's like all day long, I'm writing a story in my head. I mean, I, isn't everybody? And I guess I know, right? so, I, it seems normal. Wish yeah. I would write it out more, but you actually did it and you developed some characters. And did that all come from just your experience of becoming an empty nester? What, what was Pretty that? much. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I think that even as little, my youngest son had just turned 25. So in 2013, when he was graduating from high school, the, the conversation openly, publicly, socially about becoming an empty nester and everything was not what it is now. And, mm. and I'm grateful for those changes for, for moms who are about to go through that because it is a really flipping big deal. And mm -hmm. I just kind of, I just didn't think about that because I, at that point I was already living my, let's just appreciate life and go through it and not really worry about things. And I probably should have worried about that a little bit, but um 
it just, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. I had been, I was, have always been a writer. I, I was worked in television and radio, um, which is quite different than fiction and liter that side of yes. writing. Um, so I, I, I tried some things that weren't for me and I ultimately, again, you know, and again, I go back to supportive family and I'm really blessed in that regard. And, um, it was like, why don't you just go back to writing? That's what you love. That's what you do. And, and my husband said that to me and it, and it, and he's from New York and he said it in his beautiful New York, like cut the crap way. And yeah. But he was right. And, I, and so then through time, I, I started and then conversations with my kids, they were asking so many of their friends, parents were getting divorced or separating or moving, you know, thing, a lot of big life changes and why that might be. So I kind of started to, to you know, make inner like little notes in my head and kind of ob observe, make observations about the lives around me that, you know, it's not really unique and it's a really interesting time you you come together you have a family and then those kids are gone and you know however many kids you have they really are just the third party in the marriage and once that party leaves do you have a marriage what's up and and then i chose to stay home full time and raise my children so that was another obstacle um so now i have an empty house and i hadn't worked in outside the home in a long time. I was like, Oh, now what? <laughs> like, you know, and you really mm -hmm. kind of was trying to figure out what my voice should sound like and what I wanted it to be. And going back to writing was the right thing. And it was beautiful and perfect. And through that time, the characters kind of evolved. I, I never entertained writing a memoir, but I wanted to write and a fictional story seemed to really fun way to address it but also um an interesting one and then as i got into it and i really i really had fun because those characters could be exactly who i wanted them to be and i created this life and and it really resonated with people and um samantha the character and what she's going through it's um i think she i think people relate to her the readers and and certainly the responses that i get because she's flawed and and unapologetically so because she's also trying to figure it out and trying to you know be better and i think that's something that we're all doing and um this is the first book and we pick up with her in the second book in a very different point in life and um that's all i'm gonna say um okay the first book is a cliffhanger and you're kind of wondering did it work did their did their marriage work are they together and you'll have to see okay yeah, so I want to say that I did. I bought it on my Kindle and started reading, and I was I was pretty captivated by your character Samantha. I do want to let people know, in case you're uh, not ready for it, is that it it has some sexual graphic uh, graphic sexuality in it, uh, in terms of this married couple reconnecting um, in this crisis that they have. Well, and it really I feel was like integral to their story. It, 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 it becomes was, yeah. blue that they, you know, and kind of their, the branch that they hung on to, maybe in fear of lo losing each other. Um, mm -hmm. It was really important in, their, in this part of their journey together. Yeah. yeah. So when you hear from people and they really connect with the characters that you've created, knowing that they are not real life, but maybe they're a compilation of stories that you've heard. Like you said, you're, you're, sons came and were kind of amazed that a lot of their 
friends, parents were getting divorced once their kids left the nest. Um, do you think this is a kind of a crisis that is happening now, even though there is more help right now and more conversation about the empty nest and what that feels like? Do you feel like this is a really common disconnect that happens between couples? Oh, I do. And, and, and in part, I mean, in, in addition to the fact that the kids are leaving and now that's changed because at some point, you know, relationships become about like, where do the kids need to be? What, you know, you, it's just, you know, the, the, the it's real life. Yeah. And I think that um, we're really hard on ourselves and we think we're supposed to be perfect and we're not, but additionally with met with regard to marriage, you know, the person I am now at newly 60 is sure as heck not the person I was at 30. And I think that it's a matter of owning that and honoring that both in yourself and as a couple. And I think maybe, you know, sometimes I think it's easier. I think that's my opinion is that it's easier to kind of start over and get to have something new and shiny than to work through difficulties Mm. in most cases, obviously there are cases that that's not even a choice and nor should it be. But um, I think that life itself, like I said, is a challenge and you don't get to this point in life without having faced some. And if you're honest about that and you just keep going and you're not quite so hard on yourself, I think that we're all really hard on ourselves. And I don't think that um, our culture today helps that. Okay. So in, in talking about your book and the development of these characters and how you imagine them and what they're going through, I noticed that they have a private plane. Yeah. You know, I actually, part of my creating the, the life and the characters that I did was, was to address, especially in our culture right now and in you know, our filtered world where everything is so perfect. And that kind of goes back to what I was, was saying about us being really hard on ourselves. And I think we all think the grass is greener on the other side. And if I mm. just did this, if I just had this, it would all be better. And I really wanted mm. to explore that idea that, you know, regardless, life can suck and challenges <laughs> come up and illness comes and um, marriage struggles, life struggles. So um, it, I wanted to really have some, you know, some fun with that, but shine a light on it, you know, so, and, and hopefully that it could touch someone who's like, you know, maybe life's not so bad. And, and, you know, it goes back to the grass is greener where you water it, give it your attention. Yeah. And it also goes back to the, uh, if only, you know, if only I had that thing, or if only I mm-hmm. had this, or if only my life was this, it would be better. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, it's 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 what you give your attention to, and yeah, you know, I mean, somebody can always have more, but somebody always has less too. So it's not about viewing it from that perspective. Yeah. So has your, I want to say, either redefining or reinvention of yourself in. I hate the word midlife. I, I just I know I do too. I feel like we're past midlife. We're you know we're sixty. We're probably in the last third, maybe. Um, I think you mentioned to me once that someone called it fourth quarter. My husband. I've yeah. heard the phrase third act or mm-hmm. last act or you know something like that. However, mm-hmm. you describe this this period of life. How do you think it's healthy? 
for us to reinvent ourselves? Or is it a reinvention or is it just actually rediscovering who we actually are underneath in the first place? Uh, you know, I kind of, I, I always kind of refer to at least my journey as redefining because okay. every, every new turn brings you somewhere else and it's how, how you want that to look. And that's what I went through when I faced being an empty nester and everything. I thought, of, I thought like, how do I want the next years of my life to look? And what do I want? And what, what do I want my voice to be? I'm relevant. I, I, I love Betty White and the fact that she just turned 98 just yeah. makes me smile from ear to ear. And that's who I want to be given however long I'm given on this planet um, to um, enjoy and embrace. And I, I imagine that's going to always be changing. I hope it is. I hope that I'm because I think I want to always be learning something new. And I had no idea that, that writing my little story would, would, turn out the way it has and bring me where it has and living the life I'm living right now. And, um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's being open to what can come. So that's why I kind of like redefining. Redefining. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. I think that's such a good word because I feel like I've even had people say to me, you know, I, who am I or how, what is next now that I feel like the best years of my life, are ending right now because they just enjoyed that whole motherhood journey and the whole, you know, my last child is now a senior. I'm enjoying every moment. And I've, I've heard this from people who actually have a career. They might even be public speakers. They're already speaking into other people, but they feel like there's this big void coming up. So I love that you said redefining. Yeah, it is a boy. Yes, I mean, really... I felt a significant change um, because everything about my day changed when the kids left. And it's not that I wanted them to come back. They were off pursuing their lives beautifully and I couldn't be happier. But now I needed to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do now that that job yeah. was done. Because, you know, that it was basically losing one job, now finding another one. Now, you mentioned earlier that you tried several things that didn't work. So I do want to encourage people that you're not going to find that thing you're supposed to do immediately. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you yeah. say that now's the time to really explore? To explore. And I, and I think also not get, you know, bogged down in, well, this didn't work. So I can't do anything. I'm just a great yeah. but that, so that didn't work. And, and let's, you know, be open to, to other things and, and it will lead you along and you'll find what, what fits. And I think if you, I think if you kind of just simply look to what moves you inside, you'll, it'll, you know, you'll find your way pretty, pretty seamlessly. Yeah. I'm really finding that you can't force, you can't force whatever you're supposed to be doing. It's in you. Yeah. You need to almost discover it. Well, I also think that, that if you look at things, you know, going through situations that don't work for you, that those are learning and those are also very positive and, Mm -hmm. and you have to look at it that way. So it didn't, you know, manifest in the way that you may have hoped or wished or dreamt, but other things came from it. And, you know, for me, it was getting back out there and, and having a voice and, and some developing some confidence in a way that maybe had been tabled for a while. Yeah. 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 I love that phrase, finding your voice, because 
I don't know. I think a lot of us get kind of locked down into just a, a, the definition of who, who they are and who we are and, or, or based on our personality type. Yeah. We just, we kind of internalize everything. We don't feel like we have an opinion that matters or a gift that matters to the world or who am I, or there's already 10 people that I know personally doing what that thing that I think I can do well. Um, you know, and, and they say things like, well, who am I to step out in boldness and do this? Um, but on the other hand, if you're not going to be bold, when else can you be right? Yeah. Because you've reached an age where you don't care as much anymore. What people think, hopefully. Yeah. Did, did you care a lot in the past and now you're like, this is me? Yes and no. Um, to some extent, I don't and didn't, but, but there was always a part of me that I would say wanted to please other people or was afraid I wasn't doing something well enough or um, would let someone down. And, and I certainly, I don't still, I don't want to let people down, but I don't worry so much about everyone because people judge regardless and and those who know know what's going on and the rest don't matter so i yeah. try not to worry about all those those that don't matter that will have an opinion and have a voice regardless and i think that makes life easier in general and, and more positive yeah so then let's go back to your book have you received negative feedback on your book um, I, I actually, I, I've only received two and they were, they were actually before it even got published and, um, and they were from Tucson. They were, they were hidden They're They're, you know, um, uh, anonymous, but uh -huh. they were from Tucson accounts, if you will. And, and that was kind of interesting. And I just, honestly, I figured, you know, what will happen? There were so many, then so many good reviews came in and so much good feedback that I thought, well, that the negative is good too. First of all, it's their opinion. But if I were reading all of the reviews and I saw 50 great ones and a couple hmm, not so good ones, I would think, well, I wonder why. And that would make me want to read it. Like, what did, what did these people not mm -hmm. like? And what did these people like? I want to see for myself. So I figured it's all good. So I, I kind of let go of that pretty quickly. That's great. Because I have heard people that let that get them really stuck. You know, it, it's funny how our minds work we sometimes go to that worst case scenario. Like you, you could see a hundred beautiful reviews and those mm -hmm. two negative ones the and the on. negative ones are the ones that just dig in and get you and, you know, frustrate you. And why'd that person say that? And I can't seem to let that go. Well, um, did you have to have a talk with yourself? Like writer, it's personal. When you put that out, it is personal. It's a yeah, big part of your soul and your your imagination and your your work, and you are allowing your you're opening yourself up and to a really vulnerable spot, and so it is personal. So it's it's hard to step back, but it's important that you do, and appreciate that it's someone's opinion, but it, yeah. that's all it is, and and keep doing what you love to do. You know, I know of a writer who finally said she stopped reading reviews altogether because in her mind, she couldn't separate the negative from the positive and she was always going to the negative. So her way to deal with that is, you know what, I'm just not even going to look, but then her husband would look 
And she said, I could always tell if he'd been reading the reviews because he would get really agitated because he would take on that negative stuff and want to just, you know, duke it out with people to protect her. And she said, you know, that was our decision. That's how we dealt with it. Uh, I love that you have that personality that you can just let it roll right off your back. Yeah, that I can. A lot of stuff I can't, but I just, you know, I just think <laughs> it is what it is. And you, you have to understand that it feels personal because it's something you poured your heart and soul in. But if it's written by someone who doesn't know you. Yeah, it's not personal. How can it be personal? Right. Right. It's just their perception. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. I actually, I, I like reading the reviews. I, what one, one thing that, that has been an unexpected, you know, it's a very niche audience that this book I, I had thought would, would um, resonate with, but I can't reviews and I get emails from people who are my kids ages. And no. I love that because, you know, one was specifically, she's just like, now I understand what my parents were going through because I felt like they were aliens. And it was the sweetest oh. conversation. And so, you know, kids understand stand at that age from a different perspective. And it may be if that helps them understand what their parents are going through, it can, again, we go back to the dialogue and the conversation and be, you know, confronting those, those tribulations at the get-go, they don't turn into something, Mm -hmm. you know, so complicated and and painful. Yeah. Wow. That's really something. Um, I think my kids, if I wrote a book like that with, with some explicit content, like you did, they would be horrified. (laughs) My kids were horrified. My oldest kids were horrified. Okay, good. They're normal. I sent him and his fiance. And I mean, it took me three days to hit send. Cause I thought, I hope this book makes a lot of money cause I'm going to need to pay for therapy for them for the next 30 years. <laughs> and I'll, I know my, my oldest son yes. call either called or emailed. I don't know which, um, my younger son and said, don't read it. Just tell mom she's a good writer. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Mel, this has been so amazing. And I really, I just want to let you know, what a message of hope that you bring to people. I feel like any woman who has um, or is experiencing breast cancer or the fear that's associated with that, seeing someone like you change your perspective, even at the time and get the support that you needed and tackle that. And then now over 10 years later, you are just a shining example of what it means to go beyond something and use it for good. And then I just also want to speak into your novel career, you know, just being a writer and even, even a fiction writer where you create these characters that so many people are resonating with, you know, there may be couples in that stage of life that are at such a disconnect like your cup, like your couple was in those early empty nest years um, that it, it sparks some ideas in them on how to reconnect. Yeah. And thank you um, so much. I appreciate that. I, I really I the word that I think of when I when I see the body of work that you have so far is hope. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, go check out Mel's stuff. And I also want to talk about you being an entrepreneur because you formed an actual publishing company to publish your book. And it's a division of Mel Media, LLC. And then you created a publishing arm of that. And I just think 
that's amazing. Is this something that just came to you as a necessity? Um, Now you're looking at other books to publish. I mean, girlfriend, you started a publishing company. It's a hybrid. and, And I love being able to bring other authors, give them the opportunity to bring their work to life and to the marketplace. And um, the first book, actually, other than my own, is, is launching just shortly. And it's a That's children's great. book. And it's by an NFL player, which is really exciting. And, oh, and my word. And kind of a fun twist there. But it's, it's a fabulous, fabulous piece. And I'm honored to be a part of it. And I, the pieces that I'm taking on and the authors that, that I have accepted are works that I believe in and want to help and work with them it's a fun journey. And yeah, I kind of, I fell into it just by yeah. together to, to work on my own book and mm-hmm. that's what's happened. So yeah. Yeah. It's cool. What fun. Well, cool. when you're a grandma, that book that's coming out will be a treasure, I'm sure. So I want you all to follow Mel Greenberg on Instagram, especially because she's very active over there because you are going to want to watch for the announcement of that book, especially if you're a grandparent. I know I will. Yeah. 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 So thanks, Mel. I appreciate you being here so much. And uh, I know this isn't the end of of our friendship. I feel like this is just the beginning that we will stay connected. And I look forward to any kind of collaboration in the future that might possibly come from this. It's amazing that um, the internet can be used everything and what you do for this, the emptiness community. And, and I know we're not using the word midlife, but I will. This point, yeah, I know. Now, we, we've got some interesting voices out there and you're giving a wonderful platform to them. Thank you. I am really honored, so honored that Mel agreed to be on the podcast. And what you don't even know about how gracious she is, we actually had to record this podcast twice Because the first time we did it, we had complete meltdown when it came to um, the recording service that I used. It was not saved and we lost everything but the first three and a half minutes. And, you know, even that very night as I was thinking, oh no, this is so awful and I just really, this was such a great interview and I hate to ask her to do it again. And I sent her a text and I said, hey... I'm really concerned that I don't see the recording yet. Like by now it should have come. And her immediate response was, well, I guess we'll just have to do it again then. I'll tell you what, when you get a gracious response like that from someone, it just, it it warms your heart, really. Because nowadays we are so um, tense and just bound up with needing everything to be perfect and I just so appreciate Mel Greenberg so much so I hope you will take a look at the show notes click all those links get acquainted with Mel follow her and and just see what she's got coming down the pike through her new publishing company this children's book that's coming I'm so excited for that Uh, take a look at the chaos to clarity book and also her book if you look look her up on um, Amazon. You'll find her author page. And you know, she's just got so much to offer the world. And I can't say enough about this new friend of mine. So thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I really look forward to talking to you next time right here on Empty Nest Empires. Bye-bye.